0: Um, it was powerful in Living Nativity. Uh, we also mentioned what God did. But can I just mention to you that the prayer tree, from our community, we had 825 prayer requests for prayer from our community. Uh, that was fantastic. And, and people are really connecting in. And they're also writing to us and saying, I put a prayer on this tree last year. And I just want to tell Willow Park Church that through your prayers, God answered those prayers. It was fantastic just to see the connection and, and, and the life that was created. And so it made me think about this third advent as we gather together to think, I wanted to talk about a great light. And, and we understand that there is a great light that has appeared in, in the world. And this great light is a gift that has come uh, from God to us. And God calls us to be a great light in this world. But also, it all is possible because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The birth of the Saviour that came to the world. Glorious moment. And so, we're going to read a few uh, verses from Isaiah uh, verse nine, chapter 9 and verse 2. And the people walk in darkness and have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I love that. And then it goes on to say that even warrior's boots used in battle and even garments uh, uh, rolled in blood uh, were destined for burning with the fuel for the fire. For to us, verse 6 For us a child is born, for us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. I love those words. But notice verse 2 where it says, the people walk in darkness and have seen a great light. And there we know that Matthew talks about that in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, that a great light has dawned and the people walk in darkness. I don't know about you, but I've been preparing for Christmas around the house and we've been hit by... um, uh, Christmas flus, and ever since Michelle returned back from uh, uh, England, she's had this uh, really bad chest infection that has been, been present. But we've been putting up the decorations and getting it all beautiful, and, and Christmas is a big time in our family. First of all, uh, we got married on December the 20th, and this year is our 20th anniversary. So, I know, I just... Fantastic. I can't wait. I just need my wife to be well. Um, and, and I'm sure she will. But, but it's 20 years. Uh, brilliant. And, I mean, you say, who gets married on December the 20th? Well, at that time, I was a travelling itinerant evangelist. And nobody wants a travelling preacher at Christmas. And I looked at my diary and I went, on my planner, the only time I can get married is Christmas. Is that all right, love? And she said yes. And so... And so we got married and went to Tunisia on our honeymoon. <laughs> Don't. Um, honestly, Tunisia? No. Uh, but it was an g- interesting time as they were killing goats in the streets and the blood was running. And I had to. Oh, many times I was offered money for Michelle and camels. Um, so. Christmas means a lot uh, to us. Then, on the 21st, Bella was born, my 15-year-old daughter. So that's good. And then there's Christmas, and then on the 13th, is the twins were born, 13th of January. So you can tell there's a, there's a busy period for us. And in the middle of all of these celebrations and birthdays and everything that is taking place, we put up the Christmas lights, which has always been fine until we moved to Canada. Because here, if you you decorate your house and you decorate it beautifully, and I feel very inadequate with my lights on my house. Now, you're all going to drive past tonight, I know. So he's, he is inadequate. Uh, I have a little lights around the door, and I have a little lights on a tree to the side, and that's that's an improvement to what it has been. I mean, I don't know. I guess the neighbors thought we were Jehovah Witnesses or something because I didn't put anything up for years. So, so, so. But I, I I'm putting up the lights, and I'm thinking, why are we putting lights up? What is the significance of these lights? Goes back to seventeenth century, to the I don't know 1650 in Europe where they would hang a candle in a tree outside of a house or a farm and a candle or a light would burn in the window and this candle would send out a message and the message would be this is a place of prayer and a Christian home if you want to come and join us come into this home and worship together a light to the world And that is as I made me appreciate my lights a lot more. And because these lights, as we screw them in, and we know uh, great, um, what, the Christmas lampoons, when he does 25,000 lights and then can't switch them on. And if you've seen the film, it's well worth seeing. And then the space station, when they finally switch on, it can be seen from space. Uh, Now, that's making a big impact. But we put lights on our trees, we put lights in our houses, we put lights outside. And the true meaning of this is that here we have received a light and this is a place and a home of worship that makes a difference in our lives. I love that. But the truth is this, that what this scripture teaches us is that the Bible teaches that we live in a dark world. A world that is dark. And in the Mediterranean and European environment, December is the darkest time of the year. And, and the coldest and the bleakest time around this period, of course. And there in the middle of the darkness, the Mediterraneans and the Europeans would light lights to celebrate the fact... But there is no doubt in Scripture that Scripture talks about, and as we read here, that there is great darkness in the world. And Matthew chapter uh, 4 and verse, um, verse 16 says this, again quoting Isaiah, saying that people live in darkness. There are people that live in darkness and yet they have seen now a great light on those living in the land of shadow of death, living in the land of the shadow of death. There is this picture in scripture that the world is dark, that the world is in shadows, that there are problems and yet there is a great light that has arrived into the world. And the incarnation is the message of the great light that has arrived into the world. When the word darkness is used in scripture, the word darkness simply means actually two things in scripture. It means evil and it means ignorance. And when we understand that there is evil and that there is ignorance in the world... And although we want to be cheery, and although at times we want to convince ourselves and be optimistic, in many ways the scripture is not optimistic about this world at all. It's optimistic about the world to come. But it's not optimistic because there is great darkness and there is great ignorance to God. See, if you look at the time that... Matthew was writing, indeed the time that Isaiah was writing, there was great injustice. There was slavery. There was violence. There were wars. Life was meaningless. There were great movements of refugees. There were cities that were burning. There were civil wars taking place. There was agony and poverty and pain. And for the world at that time, with being ruled by the Roman overlords, as you looked at this world, you could see there is a great darkness. And as a person reading this, there are many, many, many shadows in the world today. And we fast forward now. What has changed, really? There is great darkness still in our world, there is great struggle, there is great fear. There are talks, uh, whether it's North Korea, whether it's Sudan, whether it's the ongoing conflict in Syria, as we see the tension growing around the world, as we see the major players moving backwards and forwards, as we see announcements about Jerusalem, we understand something that we still live in a dark world. A world that is dark and a world that needs a gift. A world of shadows and you may live in those shadows. You may see those shadows. Those people live in the shadows. They live in the pain. They live in the agony. They live in their their own lostness in their world and yet... And yet humanity tries and convinces ourselves that we can be our own light. In fact, Buddha's last words were, be your own light. Well, it's very hard for fallen people that are sinful to be their own light. Because we cannot be our own light. We cannot be the answer. We cannot be the one who provides because it took a light from outside this world to come inside this world to bring a new beginning. And that is the incarnation. The incarnation is that that the light from outside the world came into the world, into a great darkness a great shadow, a great pain that exists. So you may come this morning and you may feel like you're in the shadows. You may feel that you're in the shadow lands. You may feel like you're in the grief. You may feel like your life is a mess. You may feel like there's no direction in your life at all. Can I tell you, Christmas is the story about the light of God entering the world. And he'll enter your life if you let him. I love that. But of course, we get an idea with some of the verses before of an understanding of how man tries to work this through. How man tries to do this on his own. How mankind try to do it through, it says in chapter 8, through mediums, through magicians. That you have consulted your mediums, you have consulted your magicians, you have consulted the whispers and, and all that is there, and yet you have not consulted your God. And from Isaiah 8, 19 and 20, we get a picture of a group of people that are trusting other things apart from the God of heaven. That are trusting other Areas that are trusting their spiritual mediums, that are trusting their spiritual powers, that are trusting their magicians, that they're thinking that somehow the light can be created here from within. When what they have, their own abilities, their own intellect, their own power, their own human uh, in Ability to solve problems and to work problems. And so easily, human beings believe that they can trust themselves and things around them instead of trusting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I uh, I look at this scripture and I'm reminded of my own family mediums. My mother-in-law always used to hold a a, uh, for charity, she used to get in a medium into a house and sit in the um, uh, living room. And people used to line up and pay to go and see the medium and the fortune teller. And, and then the money used to go to a charity she was supporting. She was always very evangelistic. But over the road was a, a brethren elder's wife who did not appreciate the medium arriving in the house over the road. And she was, I I know this lady, she's now with the Lord. Her husband prayed the sinner's prayer with me from the little Plymouth Brethren Church. And so every night she'd put on her coat about two or three in the morning, run across the road to the house where the medium was holding these events. My mother-in-law... And then would lay her hands on the house and call on the power of the mighty God to intervene and to save this family. Every night in her dressing ground and probably her rollers, being English, and watching Coronation Street. And running across and praying on this house repeatedly. Until one day the Holy Spirit came and saved the whole family. They'd never look back again. It's not crazy to pray for people you know. It's not crazy to run across roads. It may seem it if you're caught. But a great light has come and whether we trust mediums or magicians or the nation state or you trust the market or you trust the political systems or you trust technology, human beings are always very good at saying we can handle this, we can do it, we can solve this problem of poverty, we can solve this anxiety, we can solve these problems, we can solve all of this, we do not need God, really? Human beings, we can solve all of this? We have the answer? No. Humanity cannot save themselves. We need a great light to come into this world to illuminate the way. The first president of the Czech Republic and a remarkable man, he had a unique ability to be able to look at the Second World War and see what was happening in the Western world and to see what was taking place in Russia. A thinking man, a powerful man. And yet he wrote these words. He said, science of us thinking we can do it ourselves has not Solved the problems. Science gave us the Holocaust. Science gave us the horrific destruction of the Second World War. And the market will not satisfy us, he wrote. Neither will these political solutions. And he wrote these words, and of course he was deposed, but he wrote these words. The only thing that can truly satisfy The heart of human beings is knowing God in our lives. You see, science doesn't take us on the way to our answer, though it's wonderful and magnificent. I'm certainly in favor of education, science. I love it. Uh, The steps we've made forward are amazing, And it's incredible, but if we say we trust in ourselves and we are the light and we have the ability, humanity does not. Because humanity has an ability to keep going low, not going high. Why? Because we have fallen. We go to the shadows, but we have seen a great light. We cannot save ourselves, and although we're optimistic, like the song from the 90s by D. Dream, things can only get better. And human beings, we love to sing that. Things can only get better. Oh yes, it's going to get better. Things are going to be solved. Oh yes, we've got the answer. We are the light. We've got the answer. And yet it was the philosopher Bernard Russell, an atheistic philosopher indeed, who was, what, born 1872, lived for just about 100 years, is the father of that kind of logical philosophy around atheism. He wrote these words. He said, don't think for one moment that when we believe in science, that that is a prettier or a more hopeful picture for us. He said, because when we believe that there is nothing in this world, that exists beyond it. Then we are living and heading towards a meaningless void. He went on to write that as we head towards this meaningless void, therefore our love, our hope, our brilliance, our values will all collapse into nothing and just become swirling atoms. And then all of our intellect and all of our wisdom and all of our knowledge, he wrote, will all become nothing as the solar system collapses, as the scaffold of of the universe falls away. And as the rubble of this world and this universe comes to an end, we will be dark and we will be nothing and it will all have disappeared. He was a cheery fella. But if you follow the way of science only that there is, we are the answer, we are the light, there is no God, there is no power, there is no future, there is no divine father in heaven that loves us, then what you have is the rubble of the universe and we have nothing. I don't believe that for one moment. Why? For unto us a child is given. For unto us a child is born. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And have you been living in a place of shadows, in a place of darkness, in a place where you are lost? Well, let me tell you, he came from heaven to a manger so that you can have salvation. You can have purpose. You can have an answer. You can find freedom in Christ Jesus. Yet, human beings, we want to cheer up. (laughs) Cheers. We all want to go somewhere where everybody knows our name. We're all optimistic, aren't we? Oh, yes, everything's going to be good. Uh, No. In fact, the Bible sort of teaches that everything gets bad. It's bad. Except for one thing. For they have seen a great light that has dawned. What does John chapter 1, what does John chapter 8 talk about? John talks about where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the good news of the incarnation. This is the good news of the baby born in Bethlehem. This is the good news that the wise men wanted to come and meet. This is the good news that came to the poor shepherds, that a light has come and there is a great darkness. But you and I who believe in the Messiah, believe in the Son of God, none of us will ever walk. In darkness, because we have met the one who is light in this world. None of us will. I walk in light. The world is bad. Yes. Bertram Russell is depressing. Yes. But I tell you what, when you meet Jesus, the light changes you. When Isaiah wrote... That they have seen a great light that has dawned. What light was he talking about? Well, pretty simply, the light he's talking about in scripture is the sun itself. That the sun was dawning. The sun is powerful. We know that living in the Northern Hemisphere and living in Canada. We don't get enough vitamin D because we don't get enough sun. That's why we should all take up, apparently, vitamin D in Canada. Because we don't get enough sun. And we know that we can suffer with things like sad and uh, be depressed when the cloud comes in. and, And we live because people need light to live. The sun You see, for the sun to rise, what the prophet is saying is that this light that comes into the world will bring you health, will bring you joy, will bring you prosperity, will bring you that life that is present, will bring you so much because we live because of sunlight. If the sun was to go out right now, seven minutes later we would feel the effects of that and pretty soon this planet would be a chewed up golf ball, dead and destroyed because we need the sun to sustain true life on this beautiful planet. What the prophet is saying is for a human being in his soul, in who he is, that when you have seen the true light, you really experience health and salvation and joy to your soul. That the light of Jesus is a truth and that we move. What does Acts say? I love this. Acts chapter 17, verse 28. It says, it says for in him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of you, your own poets have said... We are his offspring. I love that little phrase that we live and move and we have our being in him. What does this tell me? It tells me that my very person of who I am as a human being living on this planet in a darkness, but experiencing a great light, it tells me this. It tells me that everything I have in my life is borrowed The very breath I breathe is borrowed from the creator God. The very joys I experience as I switch on the Christmas lights is borrowed from God. The intimacy of 20 years of marriage and the closeness and the joy of that is a gift of joy that is borrowed from the creator. Everything I am, I live and I move because I have it, because I am in his being. That's how I know. Everything good and joyous comes from God. It's all borrowed. You think you own it. You think we, like, we trust our own mediums and we trust our own intellect and we trust the joy that you and I have is borrowed from the God that gave it to us. And I look at the sun. I look at my life. In him I live and move and I have my being in him. On that Christmas morning with all your family and your grandchildren, the joyous times and the wonderful moments and those little fuzzy feelings you're going to have all over Christmas, remember that this is a gift from him. Remember that the light is a gift from him. Remember, it's all, I've just borrowed it. It's, I'm only here because of him. I only live because of him. I only have life because of him. I only exist because of the creator, God. That should make you very thankful, people. It should make me a very thankful person. You see... The light shines and brings truth. 1 John 1 and 5 and 6 says these lovely words. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And the light we experience is there. We claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk, we walk in the darkness. We lie and do not live out of the truth. We are called to walk in the light and to have fellowship with him. My, I, had a, uh, I was driving my car. it had a slight problem. I, I only discovered this when I was driving over the Coca-Cola in darkness in winter, that when I pulled it back onto full beam on my car, For a moment, as it clicked, for some reason, all the lights in the car went out and I was in pitch darkness. I can tell you the first time that happened to me, (laughs) oh, I was afraid. I was petrified. Suddenly on the coke, it was all pitch black. I went to high beam, click, blackness. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I started to pray very quickly and very hard. One of those deep theological prayers. Help! And I, I messed with it again. And, and the lights came back on. Hallelujah! And I realised that if I click it a certain way, I get blackout. And I realised that on the coca cola at night, your lights are very important. You're not going anywhere without those lights. So I drove very quietly and I nursed the lights back all the way down. But you see, what the light does is it illuminates the truth of the road, it shows the way to go. And when you do not have Jesus, it's like driving at times on the Coca-Cola in winter with no lights. You don't know what's coming next. You feel lost and in the shadows and you feel disorientated. But what Jesus is, truth. He is light. He comes into the world to illuminate our paths. Yeah? He's our light. This is our truth. It illuminates for us. And shows us the way. And the way that he showed it from the manger, the one that comes that is the counsellor, the great counsellor, the wonderful counsellor. I love those words, counsellor. Because you have a counsellor, you go and talk to a counsellor because you want to get clarity, understanding, reflection. You want to know the way ahead. You want to sort your thoughts out. And yet this light, this Jesus, is the most wonderful counsellor. And he came into the world, into this great darkness. Matthew tells us that as he hung upon the cross and died, that a great darkness came over the earth. And from noon until three in the afternoon, a darkness came over the land. Now, why did this great darkness come when he was the great light? Well, very simply, he came to rescue humanity and to give us hope. And although there is a great darkness I spoke about in the world and things can not get any better, and the answer isn't in atheistic, scientific thinking because we end up with a rubble of a universe with no hope. He died and he entered the darkness so that he could go into the darkness and to bring us the great light of salvation and forgiveness and peace and connection with God the Father in heaven, he went through the darkness so that we can now live fully and completely in the light. He died to give us the light. Not only that, but 1 Peter tells us, But we become a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into what? His wonderful light. He went into the darkness of sin and pain and judgment and the cross so that you can be called out. And you can be told, you are a royal priesthood, you are his people, and you now live in a wonderful light. And I think this Advent, as I mused on the area of light and darkness, as I thought about humanity's chasing of mediums and magicians and everything because we think we can do it. We can't. We can't save ourselves. Our cheery, optimistic message isn't so cheery and optimistic when you take God out of it, as Bertrand Russell explains to us. But what is cheery and optimistic is that one day we will live in a city that needs no sun, because the light of God and the light of the sun will glorify everything. That is true light. And it started in a manger to a miracle. And the grand miracle, as C.S. Lewis called it, the grand miracle, he called it, that the powerful Limitless God of all creation, squeezed into the limitations of a child, a baby, to walk amongst us to show us a great light. So if you're in the shadows, come out the shadows and bask in the light of Christ. In the name of Jesus. And know that hope and that joy in your life. Great, this is where I've been thinking and meditating on my Advent journey, these beautiful verses. Let's pray together. Maybe you've come this morning as we prepare to pray on the third Sunday of Advent and you know within your own life there is a darkness. There's shadows And what you need is a relationship with Jesus to drive away the shadows. If you've ever tried to do any work in a dark room, it's impossible until you switch the light on. You've been trying to work in the dark room of your life, and this is impossible until you switch a light on. But you can't switch a light on. You have to invite a light into your world. So is it time to get rid of the shadows? You may even be a Christian who's distant, wandered, lost passion, lost hope. You even, perhaps in the past, served in churches, worked hard, but you lost the light, the joy, the thanksgiving. You lost it. This is a little prayer I want to pray. If you want to receive the light into your life. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept that I have walked in darkness, I have lived in shadows, and I have walked in the pain of this world. Today I ask you to forgive me. And I invite the light of Christ into my heart. I choose to follow the light that illuminates the truth. All I have is borrowed from you and I choose to follow you now. Forgive me. Just allow the Lord on this Advent Sunday to minister to you. Father, I pray for those that may be connecting with you, coming close to you, experiencing your closeness and your fellowship, I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. And may we all bask in the glorious light of Christ in our lives, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Bless every family here. So many needs we know in our community. So many ones here would like a miracle in their home. For some, it's a healing miracle because of the darkness of pain. Of We do pray, Lord, for your peace and your presence to be around us. In Jesus' name.